What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 244th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I'm your host, SBJ, and with me today, I have Will. Yeah, no humor. It's the least humorful time of the year, so no humor. Dark days ahead of us. What's, what's your What's your temperature? What's What's your What's your climate Climate <laughs> zone? My, my, it is literally like summer outside. It's over sixty degrees and humid as all heck. You're, it's not sixty. You're pulling my leg. Uh, I believe there is someone here with us who can verify because they live about four miles away from me. All right, all right. Well, easy come, easy go. No Travis with us today, but we have one of our Patreon backers with us who I, I owed I owed the opportunity to be on the show, and finally, you know, 20 years later, here we are. But we have Jin with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I can confirm it's like 60 degrees outside right now. Dang, it's like 10 degrees here in Wisconsin, and I have to, <laughs> I have to shovel after this, and I'm not looking forward to it. Sucks to be you. We had ice on everything yesterday, but that like melted by yesterday afternoon when it got up to 50 degrees. Man, I did like most of my shoveling last night, except the garage to the alley, which is going to be the worst part. But yeah, I'm not looking not looking forward to it. Wait, you drive a Subaru? I do, I do. And I usually don't shovel my side of the garage because I can get in and out pretty easily. But Irene drives like this 2000 oh. Plymouth Neon. And so I worry about her getting in and out of the garage. I worry about that car not just literally falling to pieces just oh, yeah. like on, on a whim. Just be, because of quantum mechanics deciding it can no longer <laughs> hold together. I forgot I picked you up in that when you came to visit like two weeks ago. <laughs> that car is amazing. <laughs> that car is something else. That's the real star of the podcast. Let's just cancel it now. Talk about the Plymouth Neon. It's not even a Dodge Neon. It's a Plymouth Neon. A brand that no longer exists. <laughs> right, right. Some of our slack. Hey, 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 hey. Mercury doesn't exist any longer either, and I still drive that car. <laughs> Some of our slack members might know Jin as like the number one monster hunter player in Slack, I would say. Is that what I'm known as? Yeah, I feel like you're on top of the hunting the monster games. There there is literally not a monster hunter question that you cannot answer. I mean, I try to answer everything, but yeah, I mean, I guess I really get into Monster Hunter. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I, right now I'm out of Mega Demon Drug. How do I get more Mega Demon Drug? Uh, you take a Demon Drug and you combine it with a Catalyst. No, it's Pale Extract, but whatever. Is it pale Extract? Close yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> you put him on the spot. You put him on the spot. Yeah, All right. you put me on the spot. <laughs> All right, well, we're here to talk about Pokemon, and we got, we got somewhat of a show for you guys today. I say somewhat because. I'm in like, I'm in this mindset of there is all this sun and moon stuff to talk about, but I don't know exactly what I want to talk about, if that makes any sense. So it's hard to like plan a show around that because natural flow of conversation might not take us there. And I really do like these shows to be conversation focused and not, we need to talk about this because it was written down kind of thing. So uh, we have some Pokemon news that we'll go through, a lot of Pokemon Go stuff actually. And then we're going to just talk about sun and moon in a broad aspect. Again, just like last episode, there will be spoilers, but no, we're not going to focus on anything post-game yet. I like post-game to be something where, okay, main story is done. We all got the same story here. Uh, but post-game can lead to some more interesting surprises and some more 
development on your own. So we're not going to talk about any post game, at least for the next couple weeks. Uh, and then I have a couple of emails that I want to tackle. And then because Travis is not here, we're leaving it up to Slack for our Pokemon of the week. We've already picked it. They're creating a move set, hopefully. And uh, we're still doing the new schedule of we're going to try to make Pokemon of the week be sun and moon focused in double battles so that you can use that Pokemon in future events. I've like referenced Slack a bajillion times already. And so they're getting a lot of love, a lot of love this episode. But thank you, Jin, for being here. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. What is your favorite Pokemon? I think... Like you, Steve, uh, my favorite Pokemon kind of comes and goes. But at the moment, uh, I want to see Scarberry is up there. Okay. And Crobat is one that kind of stays there a little longer. Uh, but yeah, those two are pretty solid for me right now. Yeah, yeah, both are cool. Skarmory, I remember Skarmory when I played Gold and Silver for the first time. I was like, what is this bird? It's crazy to think that it's it's from second gen because it looks like the design looks so much more modern than some of those. I would say that it looks very black and white. Uh, yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite unmentioned things about the the series is that like Pokemon definitely have a feel for the generation they were created in. Yeah, I think Skarmory was kind of meant to be like this poster child for steel typing, maybe, but. Yeah, like every once in a while, I'm reminded that it is from second generation and a bit surprised to remember that. Yeah, I just don't understand how it flies because it's got to be really heavy. It's like an airplane. Like airplanes are real heavy. It doesn't have any jets or propellers on it. It has the power of like wing momentum. That's nothing. That doesn't (laughs) that's not real. That doesn't exist. Maybe it just glides everywhere. Aren't its wings like just broken up into pieces, kind of? Oh, oh. I haven't looked at a Skarmory in a while. Other question for you, Jin. When did you, when and how did you discover it's super effective? So there's a bit of a story to that. Uh, and I kind of stopped playing Pokemon in third gen and I only got back into it with uh, X and Y on 3DS. And I enjoyed it so much. And then Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire was announced, so I was really hyped for it. So I decided I'm going to go all in with Pokemon, and I'm going to try to find a, a consume Pokemon in any media possible, including a podcast. And it's super effective. It was one of the first and first ones that came up on the searches. What's interesting is that you guys went on a hiatus around that time, also. So I was listening to it, and then I was enjoying it. You guys went on a hiatus, so I thought. Well, maybe I'll take this opportunity to check out some of the other podcasts, and which sort of made me appreciate and like kind of hone in on enjoying Super Effective. Oh man, I forgot we did that hiatus. What was that? It was like a three month hiatus? Was it that long? It was like one fifty one around there. Yeah, yeah, it was around there. But I don't think it was that long, unless I'm misremembering it. Uh, no, it was only like one or two months. Okay, and I think we actually did stuff like during it. Yeah, like. It wasn't like like a complete freeze out. Got to make people uh, wanting more. Got to take it away from them. Artificial scarcity <laughs> works in all the industries. Definitely worked on me with this podcast. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm sure I'll, I'll have other questions pop into my mind. And I'm sure uh, as we go through, we'll get to know you a little bit better. But let's start with some Pokemon news here. First bit of news is... 
Pokemon Go update will allow players to transfer multiple Pokemon at once. A new update to Pokemon Go will bring the game version to 1.19.1 on the iOS App Store, currently being rolled out. I think at this point it's already rolled out. This came out on Wednesday. Uh, This update allows players to transfer multiple Pokemon to Professor Willow at once by pressing and holding the Pokemon. It also adds Pokemon type icons to the Pokemon selection screen before gym battles as well as the screen during gym battles. Additionally, the game now shows the distance walked with buddy Pokemon on the buddy Pokemon and Pokemon status screens. This accompanied by the total candy the player has for the current buddy Pokemon species now being displayed on the buddy Pokemon screen. Yeah, I haven't played Pokemon Go since, you know, it's if it's too cold, then I don't take my hands out of my pockets. If it's warm enough... I was playing Pokemon Go because I wasn't looking at Twitter because of spoilers, but now I finished the game, so there's no spoilers anymore. So now I'm back on Twitter and not Pokemon Going. So the only hope is that it's warm enough and I run out of things to read on Twitter. I like how your your balance is between Twitter and Pokemon Go. And temperature. If it's below 40 degrees, my hands aren't coming out of my pockets. I'm still doing the, the at least catch a Pokemon a day. I'm in a, I'm in a situation where my home doesn't touch any Pokestops, and my work doesn't touch any Pokestops. As I said earlier in the show, it's been like 10 degrees out and snowing this entire weekend, so I haven't left, which makes the daily Pokestop check-in extremely difficult for me. Wait, that um, gas station convenience store thing is not a Pokestop? No, the bar across the street from me is? But when I say across the the street... The cemetery is a Pokestop, but the cemetery is like six blocks big. And so the stop is in the middle of the cemetery. Oh, that's so creepy. (laughs) That's wrong. But if I wanted to go, if I, for some reason, the bar down the street from me is a Pokestop. But if I wanted to check in, I would have to walk to the corner of my block, which is probably, I would say four houses down. And that's a lot it's, of work. It's not, it's, not that, it's not that far, dude. I know, but it's cold outside. I mean, for four houses, this, well, that's because you don't have a dog you, and you're not forced to go outside all the time. So you're just, you're just too, like, sensitivo to the cold. Yeah, yeah. Jin, are you playing the Pokemon Go? Uh, unfortunately, I'm not. I checked it out when it first came out and then I didn't really have uh, the patience to make it through the all the login issues that they had initially. And I have checked it out since then, but I guess uh, kind of missing out on the initial hype, I, it, it didn't really click with me. Yeah, I could see that. I could see people falling off just because the... I've re- Man, it's been so long since the initial login issues. Yeah, no problems logging in now. Yeah. Uh, plus, uh, I think just general, like, my style of, like, not... I don't really take out the phone when I'm walking. I only usually check my phone when I'm stopped at a light or if I'm, like, sitting down somewhere, so... That kind of style doesn't really uh, work well with Pokemon Go in general, I feel like. I was going to say, you're never going to get your Christmas hat Pikachu if you don't play a little bit. Oh, I got my Christmas hat Pikachu. Do you know it evolves into a Christmas hat Raichu? I do, but I don't know if I want, I want that to happen. But if I caught another Christmas hat Pikachu, I would probably evolve one to Raichu because apparently it keeps its hat uh, when it evolves and it will keep its hat. Both will keep their hat after the holiday update, which I'm about to talk about here. But that was like one of the first Pokemon that I encountered when after the update hit, which is like just really lucky for me. 
have the worst luck in the world, but that uh, seemed to pan out. To piggyback off that news, more Pokemon to arrive in Pokemon Go, featuring Togepi, Pichu, and select Pokemon. A select Pokemon. I love this press release. Originally discovered in the Johto region, trainers can also encounter a Pikachu wearing a festival hat in the game during the holiday season. The Pokemon Company International and Niantic announced today the first edition of more Pokemon in Pokemon Go. This began sometime last week. Togepi, Pichu, and Select Pokemon originally discovered in the Pokemon Gold and Pokemon Silver video games to their Pokemon Go Pokedex. Trainers have the chance to find these Pokemon by visiting and spinning Pokestops to acquire eggs. Eggs might hatch into Togepi, Pichu, or other Select Pokemon. Additionally, from December 12th to December 29th, players can encounter a special edition Pikachu all over the world. These Pikachu will be wearing a pretty much a Santa hat. Uh, to celebrate the holiday season, and they will appear in large quantities during this period. I don't know if that's true or not, but okay. Uh, I haven't seen any, but I haven't been looking either. Yeah, the other press release says that Niantic is very happy to work on Pokemon Go, and there's a bunch of new eggs and opportunities, and don't forget we have a deal with Sprint and Boost Mobile. Wait, did you go to that Boost Mobile store? I have not. I haven't gone to the Boost. It's been cold. No Boost Mobile for yeah, me yet. Yeah, but they have a parking lot. That's, well, I have to drive. That's not, you drive all over the place. It's right by that McDonald's that turned off the lights right when we pulled into the parking lot. It's like across the street from that. That's not that far. Oh, there's a, there's one closer to me. There's one that I could oh. walk to. It's, it's probably like one block over from the gas, the gas station. As we like slowly map out where I live on this show. <laughs> well, there's no Boost Mobiles in DC anymore, I don't think. Oh, I least... certainly don't know of any around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can think of at least five Boost Mobiles that I could probably drive to right now in the Milwaukee area. No, I can think of I usually of see them as like a kiosk in the mall, but not a store itself. <laughs> Which mall? Because I not the mall I go to. I, I don't know. I haven't been to a mall in like a while, but I remember seeing it in probably like the one of the bigger malls in the area. Okay. I think the last time I was at a mall, I was at a mall with you, so. <laughs> what that was, actually. Last bit of Pokemon Go news here is that there was a Reddit post yesterday that stated Pokemon Go for the Apple Watch was canceled. And it was an email from a Niantic employee uh, saying that the Apple Watch version of the of Pokemon Go has been shelved and that they are currently no longer working on it and if there was more of a demand for it they would possibly uh, start working on it again in the future to apologize to said person they provided that that person with like five 500 pokey coins or something of the sort as typical reddit fashion they asked to prove that they got said Reddit coin or said Pokey coins or whatever. And so there was a follow-up screenshot with the email. I think it was in Gmail. The email in the background and then the phone held up with the with the reward or whatever redeemed from the antic. Based off those two images alone, the initial screenshot of the email and then the follow-up screenshot of used a phone to take a picture of my phone in front of my computer to prove I wasn't lying. That story seemed plausible. Uh, sites like 9to5Mac picked it up and everything. A couple hours later on Twitter, 
the official, which is verified, Pokemon Go Twitter did tweet that the Pokemon Go version of for the Apple Watch is not canceled, and they are still working on it. So a couple of things to unravel here. First is when they showed Pokemon Go at the Apple event, which they also showed Super Mario Run at that Apple event. They said that it would be out in December, and we're running out of days in December. The other thing to unravel... Hey, we, hey, we still got days. We, we still, still got days. We still got days. Uh, the other thing to unravel here is that the guy who originally emailed in said he emailed... It took about a month to get that response from the person at Niantic, which... I suppose makes sense. Like that's not that's not far fetched to believe because there's been various emails from Niantic posted on the internet, and most of the time it's accompanied with the oh it took him a month or it took him two months to respond, and that makes sense because Niantic was what like sixteen people. I don't know if they hired more since then. Clearly, this blew up enough for Niantic to make a tweet about it and like reassure people that it's still coming yet they didn't say in their tweet that oh yeah by the way it's coming it's just delayed or it is still coming in december they didn't clarify that i guess i guess one could believe that either one that email was completely fabricated for i don't know lying on the internet internet karma reddit karma like i don't i don't know why somebody goes through the effort to you know get fake reddit points because reddit points don't matter or on the on the other hand, it could be just a miscommunication from that employee because maybe at one point they decided to shelve it and or talked about shelving it or didn't have enough money or it just doesn't seem as black and white as, oh, this one person lied and let's move on with life because wh- wh- why haven't we heard anything since? I don't know. Maybe I'm making some, uh, some of it, but something of it. But Will, you have any thoughts? I just think that it's probably photoshopped and all fake and i mean maybe december is longer in other parts of the world where they're developing this and they'll have it in december too the second december that's the one they meant i mean i don't have an apple watch i'm I, I, so there you go it, it doesn't do anything for me yeah i was a little, i was a little surprised that that a rumor of it being canceled would would be out there in the first place because I was under the impression if you show up on an Apple stage and you're demoing this on an Apple watch, you and Apple probably have an exchange of money to make this happen, right? Uh, Actually, I would put it differently. If you show up on an Apple stage with a product that you're showing, you'd better be 99% done because Apple don't fool around with we're going to show something and then, oh, it doesn't come out. (laughs) I mean, especially I remember I remember the time they showed it, people, at least on my Twitter timeline or on Facebook, said that this was the this was the app that would convince them to buy an Apple Watch. Interesting. So, you know, I was thinking that maybe they slowed down on it just because the Apple Watch wasn't turning over that much. But now with the complete destruction of Pebble, do you think people are going to buy more Apple Watches now? Uh, and there's no more Android. There's no more Moto 360. They also stopped recently, too. What about the Samsung? What, didn't they have one? Yeah, I don't know if they got shelved, but I know the Moto line did, which a lot of people really like the Moto 360 line. Pebble just got bought by Fitbit. If Apple Watch is, is going to be like the hot item this year, I mean, they definitely had the price drop recently with Apple Watch Series 1 and 2. I have a Series 1. I had the quote-unquote Series 0, 
It's okay. I mean, I use it as a so, watch. So I could, I could get an I could get an Apple Watch for Christmas, maybe. Probably safe to get an Apple Watch at this point. If if you are you, do you wear a watch? No, I don't know. I mean, it wor- <laughs> it works as a watch. I get texts on it. That's okay, I guess. I don't get a lot of text messages, except from Zach. But that's about it. <laughs> All right. Well, there's your there's your Pokemon Go for Apple Watch update still being made. No time frame. Couple more news articles here. The twentieth movie, the twentieth Pokemon movie. The full movie title, at least in Japan, is Pocket Monsters. The movie I choose you will premiere. Will premiere. Uh, the poster and trailer will revealed recently. This is an audio podcast, so this is going to work real well. If you haven't seen it, it pretty much references Ash, uh, but like Kanto Ash. The poster has Ash and Pikachu looking up at a ho-oh flying through the sky. I don't know if, if either of you saw the trailer. Uh, I haven't seen it. Not a trailer, but I did see some, I guess, out of the poster or just some media, like the, some of the images floating around with the ho-oh. And I remember one site almost explaining it as or kind of guessing that it might be some sort of a reimagination of like the early earlier bits from the first season it sounded like yeah that's what that's what it seemed to me when i watched the trailer and from what i also read on the on the internet which is cool i guess right yeah that would definitely be cool i can't believe they're at 20 movies well it's been 20 years dude (laughs) yes it has I'm sure we'll get more information as we get closer to that, but that'll be interesting to see. Sun and Moon collection for the TCG has been leaked online. 73 card expansion, 13 secret rares, and over 40 Gen 7 Pokemon added to the set. So if you want to check that out, I'm sure uh, I know Bulbapedia has it. I'm sure Pokebeach has it and some other TCG sites, but... If you want to get your head start on what cards may or may not be good slash interesting to you, uh, it looks like all those scans and uploads and they have all been translated that are up on the internet. Did you say 13 secret rares? I did. That is insane. Yeah. Uh, you would think that there'd be like one or two secret rares because they're secret rares, but hey, 13. And that- from what I remember, that's that's usually the standard, is it's like one or two secret rares, you know, at most four, not 13. Um, and this set comes out February 3rd, right? Yeah, yep, for for us at least. I think and it just came f- out in, uh, in Japan on the 9th. And it's the first um, Sun and Moon set. Hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Is this the time to get back into Pokemon TCG? Probably not. <laughs> With the GX cards? What do you mean, probably not? Oh, I miss traveling the country, fighting card battlers all over the United States and St. Louis. <laughs> uh, last bit of news I have here is the Rocky Helmet. There is a Rocky Helmet issue discovered in Pokemon Sun and Moon. The Global Link has posted a notice about involving about an issue involving the Rocky Helmet in Pokemon Sun and Moon that causes the wrong player to be declared the winner in a tiebreaker circumstance. If the holder of Rocky Helmet is hit by contact, the the attacker will also be damaged. Normally in a situation where there are two Pokemon remaining on the battlefield and one of them is knocked out by an attack, but the attacker is also knocked out by the damage inflicted by Rocky Helmet, 
the player with the Pokemon that was holding Rocky Helmet would lose the battle. Currently, the player holding the Rocky Helmet will win the battle. Yeah, because it should be the 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 one that takes the damage first, which is the one that was hit by the attack, versus the one who's getting the reflex damage off the Rocky Helmet. Uh, since this only occurs in tiebreaker circumstances, this should have no impact on most battles involving Rocky Helmet. The item is still legal for use in online play and tournaments. Uh, no update on when it would be fixed, but... Like I said earlier, uh, it's already been reported on Pokemon Global Link, so there's a notice up there. So they are aware of it. I'm sure. I'm sure there will be a Sun and Moon 1.01 version that'll come out and fix issues. How long was it for X and Y? I think it was like two or three weeks, and then we got an update because of the Lumio City save issue. Yeah, but that that was really fast. But that was like a major issue. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. That <laughs> was destroying people's games. Yeah, I remember like, don't save in this city. That's all the news I got. Hopefully I didn't miss anything. But if I did, eh, we'll talk about it next week. And uh, they'll let us know. They'll hmm. let us know. So what we'll do is we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some Pokemon Sun and some Pokemon Moon. And we are back from our break. Let's talk about some sun and moon in some aspects here. Uh, so I checked my 3DS last night. I'm at, I know this is, this is probably low for a lot of people, but I'm at 36 hours in sun and moon. Pokemon sun is uh, in particular, and I'm very very aware of not keeping my 3ds open or on standby if uh if i'm not playing i don't believe any of those hours are like oh i left my 3ds open all night for eight hours that's at least where i stand uh will and jen you got a a rough estimate of your play count in these games uh well i think i'm about wow i want to say like 70 hours something like that i'm I'm up there But I've just been spending a lot of time trying to complete my Pokedex, which is very time-consuming. I think I'm sitting at about 50 hours, and I haven't done any, like, of the major post-game stuff. I've only done, like, the little things, like NPC dialogues here and there, but that's about it. Do Do you both see... So, Will, you're completing your Pokedex, but, like, do you see... What was what was your biggest time sink will in in X and Y or Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire? Was it was it the berry stuff? Was it breeding? Was it uh, shinies? Like what took the most of your time? Oh, I mean berries in X and Y, berry farming and getting all the crossbreed berries and all, mm. man, I was putting like at least two hours a day into berry farming, and you know I do a lot of the Pokepelago now. I'm just I'm sure there's a way to do it faster than the way that I'm doing it. But I go in there and I get my beans and I shake my tree and I get more beans and I shake the tree and I get more beans. And then there's like a Pokemon that shows up and it's like, maybe I want to stay with you. And I'm like, you're just a 
little Pokemon I don't want. So whatever, but I'll talk to you. And then I get more beans and then I forget to go vent for two days and that Pokemon left. That sounds right. Uh, so, <laughs> so two hours a day berry farming in X and Y to the new berry, berry farming now. I don't think you really elaborated last week on, on your thoughts. I mean, maybe I think in person you did to me, but not on the show. But how do you feel about this new berry system compared to what seems like a more complicated system in X and Y? Yeah, so that does disappoint me. And the like my biggest problem with the berry farming in Pokepelago is there's no way to sort your berries from most to fewest. I like to like farm the berry berries I have the fewest of so that they can I can get more of those berries and then you know do that in a cycle as I go. And it's like I have to go through my list of berries and then look and count and keep track. And that's really hard for me to do. I really just want to be able to sort from most berries to fewest berries and then just go to the bottom of the list and plant those ones that I had the fewest of. But what are you going to do? Um, and you said that there is cross berry crossbreeding. Yeah. I don't know how it works, but I've definitely gotten berries that I've never gotten before. Just like because I, w- I would do I do what you do now. And uh, so full disclosure, I don't think I ever touched a berry in X and Y <laughs> besides the ones you pick up. But I never went back to that farm. So I do what you do in Sun and Moon is I will go through the list and I will, I would put the ones I have least of in. Besides, I think Lepa Berry, I think I have a lot of Lepa Berries because those are what you use for shiny chaining, even though I've only shiny chained once. Yeah, because they restore your elix- uh, your PPs. Okay. Right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, I think the idea is you, you're spamming moves that doesn't knock out the wild Pokemon so that it calls for help over and over again. So you need Lepa Berries to keep up your, you keep using the moves that you were using. So okay, your so, Pokemon yeah, I mean, doesn't I, struggle. Yeah. I, I, I get it. Um, the thing is, I asked for that really fancy uh, guide, Pokemon guide book thing. It looks like it comes in wood, but I'm sure it's just cardboard. Oh, you better but believe you, it's you cardboard. You got one. I do. I have one. Yep. <laughs> so I asked for one for Christmas. So hopefully in there it will... Wait, do you, is it just the, the one guidebook or is it both guidebooks? It is the guidebook that you can get. This is the paper guidebook that you can get anywhere, except it's hardcover. Otherwise, it's exactly the same. But it's not the Pokedex because they always come out with two. One is the... It, yeah, it's not the Pokedex. Does it include information about berry farming? I don't know. Uh, mm. I, I have not looked through the book. I mean, Irene has looked the book and like written the book. And oh, I know she's got that thing attached to her hip. Dog eared <laughs> the book. She's uh, she's all about the book. She loves the book. Uh, but I have not looked through it. But I'm sure there is. But what I was saying before is, I did what you did. Is I would go through my list. And you're right, there's no way to organize it unless there's like a button press that we're both missing. And I would go, oh, I only have two of these berries. Well, I guess I'll plant the two to make sure I get, you know, 12 or however many you get back. And as I was doing that, I was noticing that I was getting all of these like one-off berries that I've never gotten before. And like, I know I've never gotten them before because I haven't really explored much of the actual overworld of the game. Usually when I come back to Sun and Moon, I go right to Pelago. And it's like, if I'm going to do one thing a day in Pokemon, it's going to be the Pelago. So it's like, I know that I definitely didn't walk out and get like all these one or two berries. So I know there is some sense of 
breeding berries. I just don't know how. I'm sure there's a chart of like, oh, you need one lepa berry and one chesto berry, and that gets you a a, a lesto berry. I don't, I don't know the exact <laughs> a pineapple. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I will, I will report back once I learn more about the intricacies of berry farming. In, but what, what uh, took so long in X and Y? Like in Sun and Moon, I'm, I'm literally tapping a berry six times and then waiting 24 hours. But why did it take? And I'm doing that three times. So what? That's oh, eighteen there, berries. There, were, uh, there, there were more variables just because of the the factor of the mulch factor, and the bugs that would get into your berry patch and like kill the plants if you didn't catch them or get them out, and that you ha you did have to plant like certain berry bushes next to each other for the hybrids to happen, and different types of mulch made it like more likely that different hybrids would happen and then different berries had different growth rates so you had to kind of line them up so that the growth rate would occur at a point where then they would hybridize properly as in the in the growth chaining so it was just like a lot of calculations and you had to water you know you know not only mulch but you had to water and you had to keep your berry patches watered and there were like a lot of patches to walk around and water each one individually so it's a lot of work. And I think Much X and Y had, you had to clean the weeds off to them, I think. Yeah, yep, yep. You had to pick <laughs> the weeds. Yep. That doesn't I mean, sound it, fun it, at all. Like, I like games like Harvest Moon or like Stardew Valley, and there is some of that there. Or, or even like Animal Crossing. But in that ass, like in that, I don't know why that, that doesn't seem fun in a Pokemon game. Maybe because the Pokemon game is trying to do a lot of other things better. Well, just for me, it was like, you know, every morning I wake up, I put on the, the local news, and right now I kill one monster in Monster Hunter, right? That's, that's my current process. Back then, it was, it was berry farming. I tended to my berry fields while I watched the morning local news for half an hour and drank my coffee. So just kind of mindless, something to keep my hands occupied while I'm learning about all the horrible things that have happened in Washington, D.C. overnight. Uh, Jin, your first time on... What you finished Sun and Moon? What were your overall thoughts on the game? Just from I would even say like out of the seven main series games, how do you feel about it? And then a follow up question: How do you feel about the just the general story, the non save the world story? It's a bit of a caveat. I haven't played fourth and fifth gen, so but of the You're one, not missing much. Of <laughs> uh, of the ones that I've played. I enjoy Sun and Moon quite a lot, but probably for different reasons. I mean, obviously, people enjoy different things about different games. Uh, prior to Sun and Moon, I was kind of sitting there thinking, maybe is it like time for Pokemon to change the formula like some people were discussing? And I was kind of inside hoping, but also kind of not, you know, I was kind of secretly hoping for it to happen. And then when I saw the Sun and Moon demo, it kind of confirmed that they weren't changing the formula as much as I thought they would, uh, as much as I would have liked them to do. Uh, so I kind of went into Sun and Moon with not low expectations, but being like cautiously optimistic about it. But I ended up, uh, some of the things that changed uh, in terms of like core elements of a Pokemon game, I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would have initially. Uh, things like getting changing the gym to a trial system, you know, I don't necessarily care too much about the gym leaders in the past games. You know, they're just random characters that 
I don't feel invested at all in get, getting to know, whereas in Sun and Moon, I felt like they had enough dialogues and it was interesting enough for me to say, oh, I remember meeting this person. Oh, I'm going to be doing a trial with them. So I'm going to pay a bit more attention to what they say. Uh, little things like that here and there I really enjoyed. And as for the overall story, again, it's like the little changes here and there. It's not really, you're still kind of saving, preventing a disaster from happening, but it's not, you're not sort of, it, it doesn't hinge on your shoulder as much as it did in the past, maybe. Yeah. So it, it's a little changes that I think uh, made me enjoy Sun and Moon more than I probably would have. If you just told me up front that those are the changes, I would have felt a bit disappointed, but from uh, experiencing it firsthand, I ended up liking it a lot. Awesome, awesome. I do want to, you brought up a, a good point. When you play the demo, it, it does feel like, okay, things are, are changing. And in, in my mind, I wanted, I guess I wanted them to change a lot more. We kind of, Micah and I kind of touched on this on the mini series, and I don't think we really elaborated on it, but all right, so I'm going to, I'm going to try to lay this out. Hopefully it, I do it in a concise way because I, I seem to go off on a tangent. I want to compare Pokemon to Final Fantasy and feel like everyone has played at least one Final Fantasy game, maybe. But they're both very old series. They both are very Japan-heavy games. And Pokemon is now 20 years old on their seventh iteration. And Final Fantasy is, what I think it's 25? 25 or 30? And it's on their 15th iteration. Final Fantasy 15, which is a game I've, I've put about 12 hours in so far, and I've, I've really enjoyed it, was something that was not on my radar at all uh, until the day before. And I was so on the fence with Final Fantasy 15 because I haven't played a full single-player Final Fantasy since 9, which it was the last PS1 Final Fantasy. And the Final Fantasy I've liked the most, which I was very hesitant to even get in, and I have to give a shout-out to my friend Tyler, who, who convinced me to get into it, uh, was Final Fantasy fourteen, And Final Fantasy eleven and Final Fantasy fourteen are the MMO Final Fantasies. They're the ones you can play online. But, I mean, they do have a... a Final Fantasy save the world story that goes through them that for the most part you play single player and there's just certain things that you do have to play multiplayer. So to back up and start this over, I feel like Final Fantasy has a lot of stagnant games and then they change. 4, 5, and 6 are all kind of like the same, you're doing the same thing, right? The story is different, the characters are different, but you're doing the same thing. And then you get into the PS1 era and you have 7, 8, and 9. And for the most part, they're, they're pretty similar games, right? You're controlling the four characters. You're saving the world. It's the time-based battle system. And then 10, which is the first one on PS2, was very similar to 7, 8, and 9. But it was almost like the Generation 7 of Pokemon. It was like slightly trying to change things and then you have 11 which is a complete step in the the other direction which is the mmo and then you have 12 which is a game that no one really talks about and then you have 13 which is a very different game than everything else which is a very linear final fantasy game and a lot of people didn't like that because they wanted that open they wanted that open world explore kind of final fantasy 13 also had 
uh, a newer combat system. And then you have 14, which is the MMO. And then you have 15. And the reason I was so hesitant to get 15 or to play 15 was because I felt like I've already been there and I've already done that. Uh, one of my favorite Final Fantasy games, which I think I already said is Final Fantasy IX. I loved it. I played a lot of eight. I played a lot of seven, but I just didn't care for them as much. And my mindset going into 15 was I don't have 800 hours to put into a Final Fantasy game. I don't really, I don't know if I really care for this combat because I'm unfamiliar with it and it kind of looks like Kingdom Hearts and I don't like Kingdom Hearts. I don't know if I would want like Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, or 10 combat. Like, again, I've been there, I've done that. So there was all these factors going in, and when I got 15 and I played it, it was just extremely refreshing and different, and I enjoyed it because of that. Now let's bring that back to Pokemon, and I think the same can be said about Pokemon. I think 1, 2, and 3 all kind of fit in this, in this generational gap. I think 4 and 5 kind of fit into their own thing and then you see six is when it starts to change we go from sprites to 3d models and we get all these we get all these like little things and then seven is kind of doing that again where it's like we're gonna change things a little a little more but i feel like we're in a situation where people are gonna look uh, i mean okay so you're gonna have obviously pokemon fans that are just like final fantasy fans they're gonna buy every generate they're gonna buy every game because no matter what but I think as a company, when do you start not getting new fans? And I think that's very true with Final Fantasy. Somebody looks at Final Fantasy 15 and goes, I've never played a Final Fantasy and there's 15 of these games. Do I have to play the first 14? Do they, are the stories the same? Do they interlink? Are the same characters? Like what do, it's very intimidating when you start stacking those numbers. And I guess Pokemon has the benefit of not sticking numbers at the end of their games. But at what point do you get a new person and you go, I've never played a Pokemon game. I don't know. Should I start with red and blue? Should I start with, like, where should I start? And then you get the other fans that sit on the other aspect of, like, I've played every Pokemon game, and now the new one's coming out, and you know what? Been there, done that. So I I hope that with the changes in X and Y and the changes in Sun and Moon, that we would see a dramatic change in a future Pokemon game because I don't think that 20 years of the eight gyms, Elite Four, fill your Pokedex and you're done is going to hold up like it, like it has. And you can say, well, oh, Steve, there are no gyms in Alola. Okay, well, no, they're gyms. They're just done a different way. Sort of going so, back to the what... You had mentioned about your conversation with Micah. I think he touched on that he's playing franchises that are sort of taking an established franchise and doing something different to it. Like you mentioned Final Fantasy, and I think Zelda is another one. Like Breath of the Wild looks to be something completely different than what it used to be. And so that was probably one of the reasons why I was looking for Pokemon Sun and Moon to be bringing in these changes. And the initial review started saying how refreshing it was. So obviously I was kind of skeptical at first, but I think they changed, they, they made a little change, or they made enough little changes for, uh, for the players to feel that. Yeah, and I think that these companies always have to do a balancing equation because if you change a game too much, 
there's going to be a part of your core fan base that is like, this isn't like the game that I've grown to love over time. I don't want to play this garbage. And then they leave. And it's like, what percentage of those people can you afford to lose by making significant changes to the game? Like one of the, one of my problems with final fantasy 15 was, and I'm pretty sure and you can correct me if I'm incorrect that the final fantasy games have had, and, and not 14, but the previous ones have had turn-based uh, battle systems. Yes. Where you, right? Like, and then but when, they stopped when that I was, with, I think 12 was the last, no, I, it might've been 10 was the last one that did that. I think 12 was the first I, time they, <laughs> they experimented in like live at or real, real time. Combat. Yeah, 10 was the last one I played. So uh, I, and I just, I could not, there was so much going on in that battle. Of course, you know, you kind of like put me down into a mid-level battle in Final Fantasy 15 in like with a bunch of dudes and I didn't know what was going on, but I don't enjoy that battle system. So that was a big turnoff for me where, you know, I, I do like the turn-based battle system much more. And, you know, so they just have to consider if they, if they make too big of a change, if they, if they tilt the heel or the, tilt the helm too, too much too quickly, how many people are going to fall off of the franchise and how much money are they going to lose? I just think Pokemon is, is much more cautious than, than other uh, franchises because they have so much more to lose if they do make a big mistake. Yeah, and how much of that is, is there like shareholders like Nintendo or the Pokemon Company or Game Freak all like, they all have to come to an agreement right before Pokemon game comes out? Like they all yeah, well, own not, not the shareholders. Nobody cares about the shareholders, <laughs> I have to say. But but also the thing of this, this this just came to mind for me, right? They are actually uh trapped by their own success because other game companies can co- go and have like playtesting and have people come in and they're like, Oh, you know, we're trying this new game, so we want you guys to play through, give us your thoughts on, you know, the battle system or whatever. Pokemon can't do that because the minute they do something like that at least half of those playtesters are going to run out and be like, oh my God, I just tried the new Pokemon game and this is what's going on and this is what they're testing. And it'd be like rumors and and all kinds of stuff. So that makes it really hard to innovate when you can't do sampling out of the general public. You know, I'm sure they have internal playtesters, but those folks, they're not going to be able to accurately reflect the the public uh, for very long before they just become insiders. I was thinking about a a third version of of Sun and Moon. You know, whether or not they do a third version, who knows? Because, you know, we got Black and White 2. We didn't get anything for X and Y. So, you know, that's completely up in the air. But I was thinking, would I do this again? Would I go through this story again, even, even when the changes might be a couple of things that post or maybe all those land plots are built into gyms finally like do i want to go through this again or do i want to wait another two to three years for uh another generation or remake or whatever they do and i don't know i think that's a hard question i think uh another game comparison again of a franchise that changes changed dramatically was resident evil the first three resident evils all followed those like tank controls rarely using guns very like slow paced and and three is very three is different than one and two in the aspect of it had the nemesis system uh but then resident evil 4 dramatically changed it was so different compared to the first three uh and four five and six all 
are very similar. They are over the shoulder, third person. You can't move and shoot at the same time, but gunplay was more prominent than it was in 1, 2, and 3. And now Resident Evil 7 comes out next month, and apparently it's extremely different than uh, 4, 5, and 6, and extremely different than 1, 2, and 3 because it's supposed to be in first person, and it's uh, VR-enabled if you care for that. But like that is a very long-running franchise that has dramatically changed their game every what seems to be three games and that seems to work out for them and again final fantasy has changed their game dramatically and that seems to work out for them and i'm not saying pokemon needs to change dramatically but 20 years of eight gyms and four or okay seven gyms in sun and moon uh even though i would count guzmas as a gym and an elite four at the end can go stale and can like if I'm a if I'm a person who hasn't played a Pokemon game, or I have maybe dabbled in a Pokemon game and I haven't touched it in ten or fifteen years, and it's kind of the same old same old, like you're not giving a reason for people who haven't played the game or who haven't enjoyed it a a while ago to come back. And I'm not I'm not complaining about Sun and Moon. Like I love Sun and Moon. Like that's not a complaint. It's just uh comparing Sun and Moon to other franchises that have dramatically changed. My point would only be, like, other franchises have done it successfully. If anything, Pokemon can absolutely do it successfully. It's it's whether or not they would be willing to do it. How many years until we have a VR-enabled Pokemon game? <laughs> <laughs> I want to pet a Cyndaquil and burn my hand. Come on! Just something, just something to think about, though. The VR Cyndaquil thing. Not, not anything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh let's do some questions here. I have some questions from Slack. I have some emails. First question here from Johnny. Can you actually see yourself spending slash wasting enough time to max out your Festival Plaza? Speaking of new things they've tried in Sun and Moon, Festival Plaza was one. They got rid of the PPO? PSS. PSS. They got rid of the PSS in replace of the Festival Plaza. So can you guys see yourself spending slash wasting time to max it out? Well, I mean, I know people who maxed out their Joy and Avenue in Black and White 2, so I guarantee you there will be people who max out their Festival Plaza. It's something I would like to do. It's just something I don't have the time to do. As somebody who never dabbled in Joy and Avenue, and I've only spent maybe 20 minutes in Festival Plaza, what's, what's the benefit to me for maxing it out? What do I get out of this? Well, so for both of them, and, and really you can speak of them in one breath, the the concept is almost like a like a local flea market and you can as your rank goes up you can invite people to come in and set up stalls and they vend different things depending on which stalls you allow them to build within your festival plaza and the higher your rank the better the stalls are so there are people who like will help you to hatch eggs faster and there's people who will make your pokemon friendlier to you faster and uh i believe um there's one of the lottery ones i think logan showed me this where you can uh get bottle caps and you know you need those bottle caps for altering your pokemon's ivs so i mean that's what the benefit is is that you can set up these more valuable stalls to get better items and effects out of them over time it's just, you know, the, the problem is Festival Plaza, it, you, you have to, like, it's, it's not integrated in the Pokemon world, where Join Avenue was a place that you would go to and you could fly to it and 
you know, it was it was right there. But, you know, Festival Plaza is not. So as somebody who's probably dabbled even less than Steve has in the Festival Plaza, how do you go about leveling it up? Oh, um, when you meet there. Oh, and this was a huge argument I've had with people. So I'm going to stick to my own view of reality. (laughs) You're pulling a Steve. When you so when you're in Festival Plaza, people will teleport in. Sometimes they're your friends. Sometimes they're randomly generated characters. Most of the time you talk to them, they have a little blue uh, balloon over their head, which means they've got nothing for you. And it's just like, say hi, then walk away and, you know, you're done. Sometimes they'll have a maroon, maroonish purple, not red, a maroonish purple balloon over their head. And they will ask you to take them someplace. And the more times that you do that successfully, then you can build up your festival plaza. You get festival coins for successfully completing tasks and then... Um, those just the number of coins, festival coins that you have increases the rank of your festival plaza. And there are also missions, uh, like mini game missions that you can do. Uh, one of them is the type effectiveness mission. So I actually played this with Greg and Logan while we were all together in one location, which is how festival plaza works best. And it's like you run around to all the people in the festival plaza and they're like, if you're up against a psychic electric type, what move would you use? And then you have to say, I'd use a dark type move. And then they're like, yes, that's super effective. And then you get a point. And then whoever gets the most points gets the most festival coins at the end of the three minute mini mission. Uh, so it's stuff like that. Just funs. Yeah, that was my impression, too, that you talk to the people with like the purplish thing and then they'll say, like, I like the bounce. And then you're like, oh, let's go to the bounce house. Here's your two coins for taking me to the if bounce house. Only- it was that easy, but they're always like, say, I've seen the conversations, but I could never get answered them correctly because they feel like I'm in the mood for this and there's no rhyme or reason like as to what, where you're supposed to take them. It's like, take me someplace that will make my Pokemon feel fat and sassy. And then you're supposed to take them to the bouncy house. And you're like, what does this have to do with fat and sassy? <laughs> Uh, to follow up from that question, Mark asks, we all know this fe- Festival Plaza feels tacked on and pulls you out of the game. How would you each better integrate online play in the series? Uh, I mean, for me, player search system was probably the pinnacle just because. So so I, I, I don't I don't think I um, extrapolated on this when I was talking about it last week where I said I understand why Festival Plaza was done the way that it was done. The reason. So the problem with the player search system is it is an always connected system. When you have it turned on, you are always pinging to some server somewhere to get, you know, update your information about online, not online. Now we're talking. What's your status? What do you, what? I love always online. <laughs> All right, okay, so yeah, that's fine, but that's expensive, right? Because, you know, ultimately companies are paying for their internet access by the amount of data they're pumping out. And... When you do it in a festival plaza manner, it's, it becomes more of a you have to choose to go online. You're only online while you're doing those tasks. And guess what? You're doing those tasks. It's not part of the main Pokemon game. So you're not going to stay there all day and waste TPCI's money, like just getting updates on who else is online, who's not online, which of your friends is battling trading and everything like that. So it really helps to cut back on the amount that they have to pay for data rate or data exchanges uh, when their game. It's like huge international. You know, there's there's so much data 
going through their servers. So they had to figure out a way to regulate that much better, knowing that in their 20th year, Sun and Moon is going to be one of their it probably is the the top selling Pokemon game of all time. Do we have numbers on that yet? I think it sold 2.74 million in the first week. So that and how does that compare to anything else? I think that is like one million copies more than X and Y its first week. But I could I don't have the numbers in front of me. But I I know it's it's on track to being the best selling. Yeah, and in an increasing wired slash wireless world, I mean there was a time where people who would be playing and I it, it's going to sound incredible for me to say this and almost unbelievable, but when people were playing Diamond and Pearl, which was the first introduction of internet onto the Pokemon games and even into black and white and even a little into black and white too, there there were enough people out there who just didn't have internet access at home, convenient internet access, that it wouldn't be that much of an impact. But then you get into the XY and the Aorus era and you know ubiquitous, freely available Wi-Fi is is so easily and convenient for so many people in so many places that then that really does impact Pokemon's responsibility to be able to provide internet resources for their customer base. And now, you know, now they've introduced a gating system for it. That's that's what Festival Plaza is, and that's why it's been set up that way. At least from my point of view, I don't speak for that company in any way, shape, or form. Although if they want to pay me too, I'd be happy to. <laughs> I think as far as like it feeling it, you know, tacked on, maybe if it was like a physical location within the game that you go to, maybe it'll feel less so. But yeah, that's like the only thing that I could think of in terms of it feeling it kind of detached from the 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 Alola region as a whole. For me, I I liked the concept of always online and like seeing your friends in the PSS. My two thoughts on that were I hated the way the PSS looked. I thought like the bottom screen of just a bunch of people's faces was not the most appealing thing to look at, but I liked the functionality there. Uh, my other thing is I didn't really care for the O-Power stuff that was happening. I don't know. I just felt like that was some artificial changing of the game, almost like, I don't know, like the better, like I can catch this Pokemon easier because I have a hundred friends and I went on Twitter and I told all my friends to give me O power. And I don't know that just, that just was a turnoff for me. I'm sure people like that, but I did not lose any sleep over O powers being removed. Uh, as for the festival Plaza, I do, I do, I, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not that like, like I have a, I have a, a friends list of three DS friends and I want to know when they're also playing Pokemon at the same time I am, and the PSS did a great job of doing that, go in a separate area to see which friends are playing, only if they also went in that separate area, is is what, what you, you two both said is, is a turnoff. It's, I don't know how else you would do it, though. Well, the real turnoff is there's no instruction manual, and it's just really, really difficult to figure out what's going on with Festival Plaza to do things. Like, I wanted to do Battle of Alola yesterday to get my 50 battle points, and I had to ask other people. Me, William Anderson, the, the smartest boy in the world, had to ask other people, how do I get to the online battle competitions? <laughs> because I couldn't find it. I couldn't figure it out. Oh. Well, I look at I look at Pokemon Pelago, and I feel like that is what I want, right? That is like 
Okay, I got my berry farming here. Awesome. Okay, I got my bean collecting here. Great. Okay, I can leave Pokemon here and level them up. That's cool because like I can just fly to that island and do what I need to do there. And that's outside the world. Festival Plaza is outside the world, but I go there and I just feel like everything is so not fun. Like, no, I don't. Yeah, you need to go to the bounce house. Well, guess what? The bounce house is you're literally staring at it. Walk there. Like, you stop? why, like, wh who thought that, like, okay, guys, we're going to make a system where these people are going to randomly appear. Listen, just listen. They're going to randomly appear. And you know what's going to be fun? They're going to say something so abstract that you're going to have to randomly guess six. Hear me out. You're going to have to randomly guess six locations. And if you're right, if you're right, we'll give you two festival coins. Boy, does that hey, you sound can get, like. Five festival coins. Does that sound fun? Yeah, that sounds... Put it in the game. That sounds amazing. Like, no, because they that knew, doesn't they knew sound you, fun. What? They, Even if I wasn't 28, if I was like seven years old and like this is my... like, Why do I want to do this? Festival? Why? <laughs> because they knew you'd just go on Bulbapedia and look up what each question is and what the right answer is and get it right and get your coins. It's not... <laughs> Because that's what the world is these days, Bulbapedia. It's not fun. I will give them all the respect in the world because they took something like Pokemon and me and they made it fun. They made it worth doing. It comes up at an option at the end of the battle. You can do it or you cannot do it. If you don't do it, you don't get punished. If you do do it, they reward you for your time spent, whether that's like... If you curing paralysis or poison or helping your pokemon do more critical hits like they reward you for your time spent it doesn't and it feels fun in the aspect of like nintendog's fun of like oh i get to pet my pokemon this is cool like oh don't pet your wrestling belt because it burns your hand like it is enjoyable nothing about festival plaza that is enjoyable but if you don't do it after after a battle your two your two cannons going to be a dirty birdie you don't want him to be a dirty birdie. I love the dirty bird. You gotta, you gotta brush him off the after he gets <laughs> sand attacked. The, the main reason that I really didn't do Pokemon Refresh, I, I think it's called, uh, is because the paths in Sun and Moon are so short that it was very easy to get to a Pokemon Center, and or there was always a person on the path that would heal your Pokemon. So I never felt like, oh, I need to spend... I'm glad it's there. I didn't use it as much as other people, and they got... Like, Irene, during her Elite Four battle, her two cannon avoided four moves in a row, and she was able to, like, she probably would have lost that battle if her two cannon would have got one hit KO'd right away. And for me, I didn't have any of that benefit. I mean, I still, you know, got through, but it was just cool to see, like, oh, you spent time with Pokemon Refresh, you really liked Pokemon Refresh, and Pokemon rewarded you for your time spent. Whereas Festival Plaza, I don't think it's fun. I don't think it rewards your time. And I don't think that its main goal of like connecting you with other players is as good as it could be. Do I, I don't have a better option uh, at the time. I mean, I guess my better option would be like go back to the PSS system. Just don't make it look super ugly. But also like the PSS system, I could I could really just take it or leave it at my friends list. And maybe what was it like? It was like random friends list and then local, right? What? Like wasn't there was three columns. One was like, no, it was a uh, friends, acquaintances, and then passerbys. And passerbys are just like random people. Acquaintances are people like you've done a GTS trade with or something. 
and then your friends are from your friends list oh, okay so for me it would just be like friends on your friends list and like people that are close to you locally which is what the 3ds i think is 15 feet eight feet something like that well it depends on if you were offline or online but yes but yeah let's do some more questions here we got a couple more uh maddie says is a hot dog a sandwich we are not discussing this next question shame (laughs) on you madonna i almost said her last name just to fully shame her but i will leave that out of it um nick writes in says dr pepper can or bottle i i will i will wager and make this a broader question of soda can or bottle well what's your answer Oh, me? A can. Can always. 100% can. Can soda is the best. Bottled soda is always like flatter. There's not as much of a like when you open it. It just doesn't taste well, as good. Also, it's too nah, much. It, like a can is the right size of, of liquid. The only, the only problem I have with cans is like, I, wow, this is really a hard story to tell, but because you guys just, I, I don't even know if your brains can grasp the image I'm about to put forward to you. But back in the 70s and early 80s, when we used to open a can of soda, that tab that you pulled to open the soda, it would come off. And you know what you did with it? Can you guess? Give me a guess, both of you. Give me one guess what you did with that tab. You collected it? Nope. You uh, probably like took it to a recycling plant and got like a penny for it? There was no recycling in the 70s. Incorrect. <laughs> You played small games with it, flicking it off? Took the tab and dropped it into the mouth hole on the can, into your soda. That dirty, dirty, what the rats and mice had run over in the warehouse, top of the lid can, turned into a wonderful choking hazard for children. Because it would be rattling around in there, and you're taking a big old gulp of soda, and all of a sudden that metal tab is coming back to the mouth hole possibly down your throat so you could die so i prefer soda bottles because you can twist off the top you can twist it back on and you're not going to choke to death because that bottle cap's not going back into the bottle <laughs> what a, what a story jen i don't know how you're gonna top that but can or bottle i mean i had an answer i don't know if i can follow up with that <laughs> well i mean it- probably a bottle because i feel like can is a bit too much at least with the bottle i can have a sip and then just close it and save for later and then have it go flat and just be disappointed (laughs) all right all right good question all right last question last question uh before we move on to pokemon of the week what is your favorite tidbit of pokemon lore or dex entry and that was from kevin from slack oh that's tough um I mean, I really like the Marini dealy. Yeah, that one's really good. You want to just elaborate on that for people who might have missed it? Well, the Marinis eat Corsola spines. They don't eat Corsola, okay? They eat Corsola spines. But the deal is with the SOS battles that if you have a Corsola when it's calling for SOS help, sometimes a Marini shows up. And it's like, oh no, it's going to come and eat that Corsola. And it, it, it straight up attacks the Corsola too in the SOS battle. Uh, I never let it get that far because I, I attacked that Corsola first yeah, so if, I could catch myself a Marini. <laughs> if, you, if you leave it alive, it straight up just attacks the Corsola. How mean. 
think along similar lines. Um, I really like the uh, Surviper and the Zangus in a horde battle in 6th gen. Um, depending on which version you had, if you encounter a horde of Surviper, the fifth one is always a Zangus, and they will gang up on it, and vice versa for the different officer version. And I just thought that was like a very neat uh, detail with the whole snake and the mongoose thing. Yeah, man, you guys took my answers. Like that was like also like one of my favorite things was like Pokemon that clearly hate each other. Durant and Heatmore is another one from Gen Five. With like Saviper and Zangoose and like Marinia and Corsola, except I guess Corsola is in Cor Corsola doesn't really fight back. But uh, yeah, I like that concept a lot of hey these pokemon straight up are rivals and i think that's really cool i think they also in sun and moon they elaborated or at least reflected a little bit more the drift blim about carrying people off um i think that was mentioned in some of some of the npc characters where we're talking about drift blim carrying people yeah yeah i also this is a, a spoiler near the end of the game but obviously we talked about it on the miniseries but i like the concept of type null and how it was supposed to be like better than what it was, but it was a failed experiment. So instead of being called type full, it was called type null because they failed to create what they were going to. I think most of like the man-made Pokemon, like Mewtwo and and stuff, and like Genesect, I think like that has cool lore around it. I think there's one Pokedex entry that just kind of jumped to my mind. I don't know which generation it comes from, but I think it's a Kadabra where. It's either Kadabra or Abra, where it says one morning the kid or somebody woke up and they developed this psychic power and became a Pokemon. Oh, yeah, I think that was Abra or Kadabra, one of the two. Actually, you know what? The Pokedex entry that's been sticking, it has come to mind the most for me is one of the, it is one of the Abra ones from, I think it's from Moon since that's the game I've been playing, but it's like, it it like if it's in danger when it's asleep, it will teleport away, and then when it wakes up, it doesn't know where it is, and it gets scared again. <laughs> like, okay, is that Abra? <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. All right, uh, well, what we'll do is we'll take a quick break again, and when we come back, we'll do our Pokemon of the week, and then we'll wrap up the show. So we'll be right back. And we are back from our break to talk to you about our Pokemon of the week. Which, no Travis, but it looks like we have a moveset here. Our Pokemon of the week is Skarmory. Who would have guessed? I see one moveset here. Yeah, I think everybody agreed um, with Professor Almeida's uh, move set as a as a defensive move set in doubles, so that they would be using Skarmory as more of a defensive Pokemon rather than an offensive Pokemon. All right. Well, I talk enough on the show, so well, I'll let you handle the move set ability, all that stuff, and uh, explain how it can be used in doubles. All right. So I haven't read this in depth. So if I get something wrong, um, then uh, we're just uh, just blame it on me. Don't don't blame it on. It's pretty thought out though. Like I've read it. Okay, so it is uh, Skarmory with a, well, I don't know, because they were arguing versus, uh, whatever. 
Skarmory with a Rocky helmet, although, I don't know, Rocky helmet is glitchy these days, <laughs> so you may want to think about that. Uh, with the sturdy ability, which is the ability that means that as long as you're at full health, if you take a big hit move, you'll always be left with at least one, one health left. Um, EVs, 252 HP, 252 defense for special defense. Then the options for moves were Sky Drop, which back in black and white days was banned, but is back and is eligible now. Roar, Faint or Toxic, and Roost. And then, so Roar is for, okay, so there's a lot of abilities now that give people stat increases, like Beast Boost for the Ultra Beasts I've seen. I saw that in the battle for Alola. So that if somebody does stat increases, you can roar them out of the competition and pull in another uh, Pokemon so that they lose all of those benefits. Skydrop takes one Pokemon out of the battle. Uh, so that'll help to, if in, in a doubles battle, it helps your, if you have your partner is facing somebody that it's weak to, you can pull that one that it's weak to out of the battle. And then um, it's safe for at least one more turn. I don't understand about faint and toxic. They were saying something about faint... I think faint is the move that it can get through a bunch of different. Do you guys know? <laughs> faint does so much. Okay, so in generation four, faint inflicts damage but only strikes a target that uses protect or detect during that turn. In generation five, they changed faint, so faint can now inflict damage even if the target does not use protect or detect. Detect its power changed from fifty to thirty, despite it being an incre increased priority move. Faint will lift the effects of Wide Guard and Quick Guard for the remainder of the turn used by the opposing team. Faint is not blocked by an opponent's Quick Guard, but it is blocked by the ally. And then in Generation 6, uh, Faint will lift the effects of Quick Guard and Wide Guard when used on allies and is no longer blocked by an ally's Quick Guard. Faint hits a target even if it's protected by Mat Block, Spiky Shield, or King Shield and remove that protection for the rest of the turn. The user of Faint does not suffer negative effects of if the target's Spiky Shield or King Shield. And in Sun and Moon, the description is, this attack will target using, this attack hits a target using such moves as Protect or Detect. It will also lift the effects of those moves. So it only hits if they're using those protection moves, is the deal. Well, in Generation 4, it says that it will still hit but it's decreased its power from 50 to 30, and in Sun and Moon, its power is 30. Ah, cool. All right, I get it. So your choice there, either faint or toxic, and toxic doesn't really do damage, but it guarantees that the opponent is poisoned, so then they can... It, that, then you stall them out, and they're just going to be poisoned to death And you want And you would want to keep faint instead of toxic if your team is relying on sleep or paralysis? But if your team isn't relying on those, then Toxic might be the better choice. It just depends on the rest of your team. And the nature for your Skarmory should be bold. That was the, the recommended nature. And then they said as far as team members to have on your team, uh, definitely Alolan Marowak, for some reason, was uh, selected as a top contender for partnering with your Skarmory, and I think it's because it can attract electric moves to it. Uh, Tapu Bulu was also su suggested. 
as a good pairing with Skarmory. Yeah, the- Alolan Marowak has Lightning Rod as an ability, so then any electric moves, which would uh, Skarmory would be weak to, will be taken and attracted to the Alolan Marowak. So that's pretty cool. And that's about it. <laughs> I can't... As for Shinies, if you get a Shiny Skarmory, it is... More of like a copper color instead of a silver, and instead of red underwings, it has like a bright green. Bordering close to the ugly green shinies, but not as bad. I mean, the copper is a nice touch. I don't know why they had to throw the green in there. Right. They should have like put some like gold or something under there. And I also want to mention that that moveset is from one of our very uh, our, our growing community of Brazilian listeners, Professor Almeida's in Brazil. That's real cool. There you go. There's some Brazil moves for you. The inside scoop down in Brazil. Uh, some trivia here. Skarmory can be seen as parallel to Mantine. Both of them are flying Pokemon from Generation 2. Skarmory is exclusive to Silver, Fire Red, and Soul Silver, while Mantine is exclusive to Gold, Leaf Green, and Heart Gold. They both have the same base stats, except Mantine is orientated towards special stats, while Skarmory is more based in physical stats. Skarmory has kidnapped more Pokemon and people in the anime than any other Pokemon, with the exception of Meowth. It kidnaps Jesse's Wobbuffet, May's Azumarill, and Meowth in the regular series. It has also kidnapped Diglett, Pichu, and Pikachu in the Mystery Dungeon special. What a weird fact. Uh, Skarmory. It actually, it actually abduct, abducted May herself, not her Azumarill. It oh, abducted okay. May and, and an Azumarill. All right. Um, Wait, so how did it abduct the Diglett? Like, did it like lift out of the ground? Yeah. Or how did <laughs> it took the ground with it? I'm not sure. That we'll have to investigate. Uh, Skarmory has the highest base stat defense of all flying Pokemon, and the Skarmory's number in the Johto Pokedex is the same as the Unova Pokedex. Both are 203. The new Unova Pokedex. The new. Is that black and white too? Yeah. And Skarmory is based on a crane? I didn't know that. I don't know if I agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) I could see it. I could see it. I just thought it was a metal bird. It's also hard to believe that cranes can actually fly. Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking... Have you ever seen a crane in real life? No, I was thinking of a stork, but those are... are storks real? Is that a real storks animal? Storks are real. All yes, right. that's a real animal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. That's the real question. Do we have a stork Pokemon? I don't think I we do. I think of one. No. Pokemon would have a field day with that, of like a, a stork Pokemon carrying eggs and or Pichus and Clefos around. I feel like they already kind of do that with Pelipper. I know he's supposed to be a pelican, but they start putting smaller Pokemons in its mouth than some of the images I've seen. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they don't show as him actually eating this Pokemon. <laughs> Gulping them right up. All right, let's do some house cleaning here. Before we wrap up, uh, if you like the show, if for some reason you've made it to the end of this and you like what we do here, <laughs> you can support us on Patreon patreon.com slash it's super effective uh we'll get you there and for a dollar a month you can join our slack community which is 300 plus people talking about pokemon and sun and moon and trading and breeding and all that stuff 
We also have some different reward tier levels for like $4 and $8 and stuff. So patreon.com slash it's super effective. That's too hard to remember. Pokemonpodcast.com slash support or just go to pokemonpodcast.com and hit the support button. That'll also take you there. So thank you to all our Patreon backers and uh, all those questions were pulled directly from our Patreon members. So thank you for writing those in. If you don't want to support us with money, which is totally fine, it's no big deal if, uh, if, if budget is tight, especially around the holiday season, I understand. Uh, we are trying to get to 700 reviews in iTunes before the end of the year. I think we're at, we're at last I checked, we were at like 666. Uh, good old Viv- Vivillon. So if you can leave us a review in iTunes to help us get to 700, that would be extremely great. We only need, what? 34 more to go to get there so uh it only takes a second you can do it on your iphone or your ipod or your ipad or mac or pc i think any of those options work head over and do that otherwise i think that's it i don't have anything else did i miss anything will i can't think of anything that you would have missed no i feel like i'm missing something but that's all right Jin, thank you for being on oh thanks for having me that was a lot of fun Awesome, awesome. Do you want our listeners to find you? The Twitter um, you use, or or just in Slack, or uh, my Twitter is very topical, so I'll just stick with Steph Slack. If you are on Slack and you enjoy Monster Hunter, apparently that's where I'm most active. In. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me over there. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for being on. You can uh, you can follow Will on Twitter at Wash in the Sink. You can follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. Otherwise, this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are Super Pokepelagoers. Jen, you're supposed to say effective. Oh, I missed that cue. (laughs) If you don't say it, Travis is going to get mad. Effective, because I don't want to make Travis mad. (laughs) Perfect. There you go. Do you like motorcycles, card games, explosions, board games, Mexican food, video games, music, cats, the weird and unusual, wrestling? Go check out hashtag drunk on tacos over at drunk on tacos.com or on facebook facebook.com slash drunk on tacos or even on instagram at at sign because that's how instagram works like twitter uh drunk on tacos all the same thing drunk on tacos.com if you like that stuff they are a proud supporter of it's super effective and we thank them for their patronage